Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. Welcome to Impact Cyber Church. You know something? We are plowing through this thing about bringing your faith to life. And man, if you've been watching this, I know that you're as excited and as jacked up about this as I am. If you hadn't been watching this, don't panic because when I talk about bringing your faith to life, don't assume that you know what that means. And don't assume I'm going to jump back into some old stuff from the 80s and 90s that's taken out of context about faith. But today we're going to, we're going to talk about an issue and how to overcome an, the issue we call wavering. It's how to put an end to wavering. And that's where we get so many times where we know there's a promise in the Bible. We've got this promise. It's real. We believe the Bible. We believe on Jesus. We believe what he did for us. But we've got this circumstance that we're living in because the promise hadn't manifested in our life. It's like we're standing between these two points, looking at the circumstance and experiencing the circumstance and looking at the promise, and we kind of vacillate between the two. I'm going to show you how to put an end to that today, so don't go away. I'll be right back. Hey, I've got a great download for you this month all the evidence you need. You say what that's about? I'll tell you what that's about. That's about gathering the evidence to persuade your heart to believe God for whatever you need in your life right now. Listen, download this right now. It's my gift to you. All right, we're still talking about this paradox and, and how to get out of this paradox that, uh, that I call standing in the gap. Now, you know, we think about standing in the gap a lot of times if you're an old schooler like me. Standing in the gap is when you were standing in the gap for somebody else. But I want to tell you something. Standing in the gap to me is when I'm standing in this gap between what I know to be the promises of God and but I'm not having the manifestation happen in my life. That is a paradox. And I got, I got news for you. Everything in the Bible, every real truth is always a paradox. And you never understand any truth until you see it within the paradox. And that paradox can only be grasped when you understand how the heart works. Now, I want you to understand something. Uh, in the old days, we used to have this terminology that we call it possessing your possessions because God would tell the children of Israel. Now, I know a lot of people don't even read the Old Testament anymore, but the Old Testament and everything that happened to the nation of Israel is supposed to be a model or an example for us as an individual believer. And, and as we watch the mistakes that they made, we can avoid those same mistakes. As we watch how they gain their victories, we can have those same victories. Now, Yes, we're new covenant. We're not going back under the law. But the point is, all of that was given to us as an example. That's part of why God recorded all of this in writing. And so God would tell the children of Israel that he had given them the promised land. That's interesting. I have given you the promised land. Now, now stop and think about it. There's a reason it was called the promised land, and that is they weren't living in it yet. Well, see, what we have in the new covenant is we have these great, exceedingly precious promises whereby we escape the corruption that's in the world. And they are, they are given to us by God just like the promised land was given to the children of Israel. But the, but the truth is, 
the children of Israel had not entered into them. And even though technically we own all these promises, it does not mean we're living in them. In other words, it doesn't mean they're manifesting in our lives. And we're not, I'm not going to go back and recap the whole thing about circumstance theology and how people make up theology and excuses to justify why stuff is not working. I'm not interested in justifying why something doesn't work. I'm not, I don't need that to make me feel better about myself. I don't need an excuse. What I want is a solution. I want to live in what Jesus Jesus so graciously died to give me. So we used to call that, we've got to possess our possessions because God called the promised land their possession, but they had not yet possessed it. And we're going to talk a little bit today about, about that whole concept. Now, unfortunately, in the past, uh, the way many people approach this concept of possessing your possession or, 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 or seeking and finding the manifestation, they turned it into legalism and dead works because it's like, I'm going to pray enough to get God to do this. I'm going to fast long enough to get God to do this. And, and so, you know, that's absolute dead works. That's, anything that you're doing to try to get God to respond to you is dead works. And anything you're doing to, to manipulate or to move God is legalism. It, it, it's, you know, legalism is not whether or not it's in the Old Testament or the New Testament. It's, it's what your motivation is for doing it. Now, today, the pendulum has swung completely to the other side of the spectrum. And now there's many people who, in the name of grace and mercy and goodness, uh, would say that if you put forth any effort at all to take hold of these promises, then you're in dead works and, and, and you're, ju you're just not enjoying the benefits. So it's like you're supposed to be enjoying these benefits, but nobody tells you how to do it. And that's, you know, that's where the rubber meets the road. So see, we forget the ultimate paradox of faith. The ultimate paradox of faith is, and, and in the book of Hebrews, the, the writer of the, Hebrew, uh, of the book of Hebrews was talking about the children of Israel and God trying to bring them into, a, into the promised land because, because once they came into the promised land, they could have rest. And that's the way it is now. You know, if you're fighting a disease, you don't have rest until you, the healing is manifest. If you're fighting a, a, a financial issue, you don't enter into rest until that thing manifests. And so, and so the book of Hebrews is talking about this struggle with the children of Israel uh, failing to use their faith. I see, I want you to understand, God's always been a faith God. These people that tell you the Old Testament was about fear, they're wrong. These people that tell you that the Old Testament it was all about works, they're wrong. I'm telling you. Uh, even it, it, that is total religious interpretation of the Old Testament. That's what they've been taught. I'm not saying they're bad people, but I'm telling you, God's always been a faith God. God has always done everything he uh, has done and said from the motive of love. And God always wanted this to be in your heart. Uh, and he said, that's how it would work. And he's always wanted us to live in rest in absolute rest, free from toil and labor and, and sweating and striving and, and straining to try to have the life that we were supposed to have based on how God created the world. So God told the children of Israel that they've got to labor to enter into this rest. And the writer of Hebrews was using that example for us. We have a rest promised to us, not just the rest of salvation, not just the rest of the fact that our sins are forgiven, but a rest of where we leave the place of stress and striving and worry and strain because God's promises 
are manifesting in our life. Now, this is a concept, I'm going to tell you, that can't be understood until you understand truly how the heart works. So, so you know, if, if you follow my teaching long enough, you'll have an opportunity to find out more about the heart. And by the way, if you want to get some information about our, about our heart physics, every year we have a heart physics seminar here in Huntsville, Alabama. Come, I'm telling you, it's life-changing for most people, or check it out on my website. Uh, just go to heartphysics.com and, and check it all out. Now, listen, it takes labor to persuade your heart. And see, that's the whole concept. The reason, the number one reason something is not manifest in my life is I do not yet believe it in my heart. Now, I'm always talking to you about the difference between our intellectual concept, our intellectual grasp of something and a heart belief. And there's a difference. And we have this tendency to think because we know this information intellectually, because we can discuss it and because we can explain it, that that is the same thing as having a heart belief. And, and even though getting that information is a part of renewing your mind, that does not mean that it has yet become a heart belief. Because when it becomes a heart belief, it becomes as real to you as if it has already happened. But it takes labor to persuade your heart, to bring your heart to an unwavering trust. Remember, Jesus said, with the measure you meet, it's measured. You're talking about the heart. You know, some people say, no, if you got labor, then that's dead works. No. That's not dead works because we're not trying to get God to give us something. We're not trying to get God to respond to us. We're developing our beliefs so that we can respond to what God's already given us in Jesus. Now, once your heart is unwavering that something is yours, it is in that very moment that you take possession of that promise in your heart. Now, once you know that that promise really is yours, even though it hasn't manifest, I'm going to tell you something, you're going to enter into rest. In other words, you don't really have to have a manifestation. I know I talked about it there at the beginning of the show. For most people, they don't rest until they have the manifestation. But the truth is, once you own it in your heart, you go to rest. Now, but there's a part that we leave out because once we go to the place of rest, then from that place of peace and possession, we can follow the Holy Spirit as He leads us into the specifics of how to walk into this thing. There's been a lot of times where I knew in my heart something was mine, but then the Holy Spirit would lead me. And, and because I wasn't distracted, because I wasn't afraid, because I wasn't stressing and striving, I was able to stay in peace and hear His voice. Now, listen, I'm going to come back in just a few minutes. And we're going to talk about how to make this journey, how to break through this paradox. Don't go away. I've got a great series for you this month that has already helped thousands of people. It's called Wisdom for Healing. Now, it's not just about physical healing, even though that's a part of it. It's about getting the wisdom of God, the practical application in every situation to know how to walk right into your miracle. And you know what? This month for you, we've got a special prize. So be sure and check this out, Wisdom for Healing. Get the wisdom that you need to take the next step and the next step and the next step to walk into your complete destiny and all that God has promised you. All right, we're going to look at one of the, I think, one of the clearest pictures of the paradox between having something in your heart and it actually being manifest in your life. And it, it comes when Jesus was teaching about prayer. In Mark 11, uh, 24, he says this. Well, actually, Mark 11, he was teaching about faith. Uh, uh, but he says, Therefore, I say to you, whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. I got news for you. If you don't understand this passage of Scripture from a heart perspective, 
then you will be very, very confused about what God is trying to say to us here. Jesus is explaining here. He says, now look, he says, whatsoever things you ask in prayer. Now the word ask, and I don't think it's this way here uh, because of the context, but almost always in the New Testament, the word ask is to ask with the presumption that is given. And so, and it's taken in context with, with asking in faith, we could, we could interpret it that way. Even if you don't interpret it that way, it doesn't change the meaning. So whatever, you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them. Now that word for receive is a, is a really interesting word because um, it, it comes from the Greek word lambano, which means to take hold of something, but it's, it's, it's in what's called the aorist tense. In other words, uh, you know, all these words have, they, they have a, they have a voice, they have a tense, they have a mood. And in the aorist tense, that's when, um, uh, that's a concept of seeing something from within the situation. And you're not at the beginning, you're not at the end. You're able to see the end from the beginning. That's, and that's what God does. That's what real faith does. Re once you get to the place of real faith, or as you approach the place of faith, you're seeing and experiencing the end from the beginning. So in other words, it is yours now that uh, because you have truly believed that you have received it. But now, you see, when you're doing this from your heart, Receiving has nothing to do with whether or not it's manifest yet. Receiving is where you take hold of it. The word lambano, the word receive, means to take hold and bring to yourself. And you do that by believing something in your heart. Now, it's not that you get more and more and more faith, and finally you get enough faith to make it, to make it uh, uh, come to you, but it's, it's about believing something absolutely and removing uh, these doubts and these things that make us waver. So he says, so once you know that that's yours, once you have taken hold of that, and we know that's talking about in your heart, then it says you shall have them. In other words, you, you own it now, the manifestation comes up later. Now, interestingly, and we've been talking about getting stuck in this gap, this gap between the promise of God and the circumstance, and Jesus brings up something that, man, people get confused on and fight about it and, and uh, don't understand it, but he brings up the issue of forgiveness. And he talks about, now, why don't you stand praying? You need to forgive. And people are like, well, if, if God's already forgiven me through Jesus, then I don't need to forgive. Well, you know something? If Jesus said it and taught it, and if he's your Lord, it doesn't matter whether you understand it or not, you're going to realize that there's something here that you might be missing. You see, there's a factor that not many people like to admit, and other people will go overboard and turn it into legalism. However you look at it, just scratch all that and just accept it this, even if you don't understand the details. Unforgiveness affects our ability to receive from God. Now, I didn't say unforgiveness keeps God from giving. I didn't say unforgiveness makes God take away something. I didn't say unforgiveness opens the door to the devil. I said unforgiveness, evidently, based on many scriptures, not, not just this one, unforgiveness is directly related to and affecting our capacity to take hold of something else and, and bring it to us. So we want to always deal with, and I think this is why unforgiveness affects us, is because of our conscience. We want to deal with whatever violates our conscience so that we're able to receive. And, and, and you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. I, I know that legally 
and rightfully, and I know that in most situations, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to receive from God even if, I, even if I know I've got something I've got to work out with somebody else. But remember, you know, how many times does Jesus say now, now when you stand praying and you realize that, you know, that you have conflict with your brother, go, go work it out. Matter of fact, he even said, you get ready to give your offering and you realize there's something you got to work out. Stop, leave your offering there, don't, because so you, you take it with you, you'll, you'll, you'll go spend it on something else. Go solve this problem. Then come back and give your offering. There, Jesus mentions this too many times for us to ignore. There's something about unforgiveness that affects our capacity to receive anything from, from God. So too many times our wavering isn't because we doubt God. It's because of something that's going on inside of ourselves that makes us doubt ourselves. It's a guilty conscience. You know, a guilty conscience is to your faith like trying to swim with an anchor tied to you. It just weighs you down. And you might make it and you might not make it, but I'm going to tell you something. You, 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 don't want, you don't want to be swimming for your life with a big ball and chain tied around your ankle. And that's kind of what unforgiveness is. And, it, and you know, some people are going to call me a legalist for saying that. Some people are going to say, I'm denying, you know, the fact that Jesus already forgiven our sin. No, I'm just saying that God talks about the value of a clear conscience. So, so far, we discover that, number one, we can limit God. We talked about this over the last few weeks. Number two, we can neutralize grace. In other words, we can neutralize the power of God so that it can't work in us because, after all, grace does work from our heart. Number three, we, we realize if we violate our conscience, it somehow affects our ability to receive. And number four, we discovered from the Scripture in Philemon that our faith many times needs to be activated. So when we're standing in the gap between the promise and the manifestation, or you might say it this way, between the promise and the circumstance, we don't want anything weighing us down. Now, I'm not encouraging you to start looking for fault and trying to figure out what's wrong with you. I'm definitely not telling you to blame the devil. I'm not even saying that you necessarily even need to try to fix yourself, you know. Um, if there's something wrong with you, God shows you to deal with something you deal with. But, you know, Jesus taught a parable about the wheat and the tares, and, and he warned that if you go out and start trying to pull up the tares, you'll pull up the wheat. You'll do as much damage to yourself trying to fix yourself uh, as, as you more damage than you would if you just left it alone. And when it became obvious what you needed to deal with, in other words, when the fruit comes in, you, you can identify the wheat and the tares. And, and it's usually by the fruit that we solve whatever our problem is. It's not because we dig into our heart and into our mind and, and dig it all out. But again, I'm not saying not to deal with issues, but I'm saying don't become introspective. Don't become, uh, don't become overboard. Don't become self-judgmental. When something becomes obvious to you that you need to deal with it because of the fruit that's coming forth in your life, then you deal with it. It's just that simple. But only when we have a clear conscience are we really ready to move forward. Now, the book of James, interesting, interesting book. I, I love the book of James. It's, it's the pra most practical. James and Peter are some of the most practical books in the New Testament as far as application. And James 1, verse 2, it says, My brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, many people will say that a trial is when, when God is testing you, when God's trying to prove your faith. But, but the real truth is that word trial comes from the same word that temptations come from. And the word temptation means to test, to try to scrutinize, or to be in any kind of situation that makes you 
strive or strain. Now remember, when you are in rest, you've not only ceased from your own labors, but you're also at a place where you're not striving or straining to make life as it should be. And so when, when we enter into a trial, we, we, we want to count it all joy. Not because the trial is good, but because it's a battle that we're going to win. You know, usually when you enter into something that makes you strain or strive, it's because of something's going on in your life that you need to deal with, some belief that you need to deal with. And verse 3 says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now, God's not the one testing your faith. Down in verse 13, I think it is this chapter, he says, listen, let no man say when he's tested, tempted, tried, scrutinized, or made astray. Don't ever say it's God. It's never God. Remember, we are drawn into temptation of our own lust. It's not even the devil that's drawing us into temptation. It's us. It's our desires. It's our lack of trust for God to believe that we can fulfill our desires if we follow him and walk with him. Now, the only test of your faith is the test that occurs in your own heart when you're challenged with a need and you're deciding, am I going to believe God or not? That, that's the only test. The test of faith is, do you put your faith uh, into practice and does it work? And it says, that, it says that, that this test can end in patience. Now, remember, patience is the ability to stand up under pressure without wavering. Verse 4 says, let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing. Now, I'll tell you something interesting that happens. Every time you're faced with a challenge and you trust what God says, and you trust it enough that you put it in practice, not because you're trying to earn something, but because you just trust God. You just trust that He's smarter than you are. And you win that battle and you come out on the other side with a victory, then what happens is the next time you are faced with something, you have a higher level of confidence. Therefore, you don't waver. And because you don't waver, it doesn't take you as long to get this established in your heart. See, the reason it takes us forever to establish stuff in our heart because we allow ourselves to lose so many struggles. And, and if you keep losing struggles, eventually every time you face a challenge, you're going, you're going to say, well, I know I'm going to lose because I always do. Now, what, what traditional spirit-filled teachers would tell us that when we're facing a challenge that, that, that we need to, to get a miracle. Well, you know something? That's really not the prescription for a new covenant believer, for somebody who is in Jesus, who has everything given. There's nothing wrong with a miracle. When you need a miracle, you need a miracle. But it says here in verse 5, in these situations where we're, where we're struggling, where we're striving, where we're made to strain, where, we're, where our faith is being put to the test, it says, if you lack wisdom, ask of God who gives liberally without reproach, and, and, and he, it will be given. Now, <clears throat> We've been taught to always seek a miracle. But see, wisdom, the word wisdom, whether it's in the Hebrew or the Greek, has to do with practical application of truth. And what we need in these situations is to figure out what, how to walk this out, how to follow God. And so we've got to open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit. We've got to open ourselves up to the Word of God. And, and we, we've got to take possession of whatever the promise is so that we know that it's ours and we, and we stop wavering. And it goes on to say in verse 6, it says, Let him ask in faith, no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed. So see, faith is an immovable trust. It's not shifting between two opinions. Doubt is when you, is when you kind of believe this, then, then you're, oh, you think this is going to happen. You're back and forth. So wavering is shifting from the circumstance to the promise. And wavering occurs really when we haven't renewed our mind and fully 
persuaded our heart. And verse 7 says, let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. So, and, and, and he says, because he's double-minded. So double-minded man, my, my mind's here, and this is affecting my emotions, this is affecting the way I think, and then my mind's here, and this is affecting the way I think, and this is affecting my emotions. And it's impossible for your heart to be stable and fixed and immovable when you are shifting from one point to the other. So in these situations, we have to look at the promise. We have to renew our mind. We have to focus on the promise. And we have to establish that as the way we think. And we have to establish that truth into our heart by pondering, by meditating, by seeing it, by, by really being, being absorbed with the fact that this is already mine because I'm in Jesus. And from there the Holy Spirit's going to give you wisdom about how to walk into that miracle. Listen, don't go away. I'll be back with a mentoring moment. We're going to talk about application, how to put this into practice. Wisdom for Healing is one of those great series that's going to help you know how to walk out every situation that you're facing. It's an eight CD series and got a great special for you this month. You want to have this. This is going to help every area of your life. You know, we're always talking about the fact that we're changing the way the world sees God. And one of the ways we do that is through Operation One Billion. Through Operation One Billion, we are raising up schools all over the world and publishing material all over the world to train people and establish people in this new covenant truth. I got three pictures I want you to look at. You'll see a picture right there of a man in Pakistan holding the gospel of peace. And we are in the process of having that translated into their language so the gospel of peace will, will flood Pakistan. And then we got some pictures from Tanzania uh, of two different situations where people are going through Impact International School of Ministry through the thumb drives, the Bible school in a box, uh, the, the pads that we send over, all of these ways that we have for training people. And you know what? That's happening because our world changers are saying, man, I want to make a difference in the world. I want to invite you to come to our website, check out becoming a world changer with us. Help us change the way the world sees God. Help us start Bible schools all over the world and reach a billion people. Now, you know, we've been told all of our lives that faith is blind. And that faith, you know, the leap of faith, jump it out into the unknown. Well, I want to tell you something, that's absolutely not what the Bible tells us. You know, faith sees the end from the beginning. God never asks you to believe anything that He doesn't promise to you first, that He doesn't tell you is yours. And if you're trying to believe something that you, you, you can't see that it's promised to you, you have no basis for faith. But the Bible also tells us something else. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, The faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Now, so our problem is when we can't see something, we need evidence. And the reason, uh, the, you know, one of the reasons we're struggling with believing, like I say, first of all, we don't take the promise. Once you find a promise, and remember, all the promises of God are yes for you if you're in Jesus. If you are in Jesus and you ask God for anything He's ever said yes to anybody else for, you don't even have to ask Him. You just know this is already yours because you're in Jesus and you share in His inheritance. But the problem is your mind will shift back and forth and you get into that wavering because you're gathering evidence. You see, if you're looking at the circumstance and how bad it is and the pain and the suffering and the fear and what might go wrong, then your, your, your thought processes and your emotions are going to go to that destructive outcome. But then if you go back over here and start looking at the promises of God, thinking about what you have in Jesus and trusting God, then 
you know, you're, you're going to, your, your faith, your faith is going to go in, in that way and your emotions are going to go that way. But the problem is we tend to look at one, then we tend to look at the other. We tend to look at one, we tend to look at the other. So, so there is, there is no stability. There's no immovableness in our heart. So the cure for that is whatever you give yourself the most evidence to believe is what you're going to believe. And so the person who, who says, you know, this is real and I can face this and I know this is over. I'm not denying it, but this is what God's word says. I'm in Jesus. This is mine. You think about it. You read scriptures about it. You meditate on it. You see yourself living it. And at some point in time, that becomes your absolute reality. And then one of the amazing things that will happen is the Holy Spirit will begin to lead you in how to participate in that reality. I can tell you story after story after story where once I knew something was mine, then I would hear the voice of God showing me, this is your next step. This is what you do now, and you're going to walk right into it. Now, listen, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for sharing this with other people. At the end of this, just take five seconds and subscribe to this YouTube channel because we want to get this out to people all over the world. We want to change the way the world sees God and cause people to fall in love with God all over again. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.